I want you to take your Bible today, and I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 9. Your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have. If you don't have any of that, the Scripture is on the screen. 1 Corinthians 9, and I want to call your attention to verse 24. This is what the Scripture says. I believe if the great apostle Paul was, was alive today, if he was on earth, uh, I believe he would have been a football fan because he was certainly an athletic uh, guy. He alluded to athletics a lot. Here in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, listen what he said to the Corinthian church. He said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Everybody runs, but only one receives a prize. I, I don't think that Paul probably believed in a participation award. Amen? Somebody said, Brother Benny, it doesn't matter who wins or loses. Well, if it doesn't matter who wins or loses, why do we keep score? But one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. I want to take a little while. And I want to talk to you about life is like football. Life is like football. Now, it was uh, Forrest Gump's mom, the great theologian. It was Forrest Gump's mom who said, life is like a box of cherries. You never know what you're going to get. But I don't know if life's like a box of cherries, but I truly believe this. I believe life is like football. Life is like football. But I want you to know, I, I wasn't the first one to say that. Louis Grizzard actually said this. He said, the game of life is like football. You have to tackle your problems, block your fears, and score your points when you get opportunity. I truly believe. Life is like football. Now, you know many times when people come to church and they uh, view myself and they view my upper body, they assume that I played a lot of football. Uh, somebody's laughing too long on that one, amen? I've often said I did. I, I played tailback. Every time I ran out on the field, the coach would say, you get your tailback here, you get your tailback here. But really, it's a true story. I did play. I played one year, and I played tailback. That was the position. I, I carried the ball. I remember when I played, you had to weigh in. And if you weighed over 85 pounds, you couldn't carry the ball. And I was so small on weigh-in day, the coach said, just put him on the scales with pads and all. He's not going to reach 85 pounds. And I got on the scales, and I didn't reach 85 pounds, and they said, good, he can carry the ball. And I remember one play, they said, we're going to run a sweep, and Tate, you're going to be carrying the ball in the backfield. And sure enough, we ran the sweep, and the quarterback handed me the ball, and I was running, and I looked down, and a big middle linebacker had grabbed one of my legs. And I looked, and the other left linebacker had grabbed the other leg. And I just happened to look down. And one of those big linebackers said to me, make a wish. 
That ended my football career. I learned that football wasn't for me. But let me tell you, I learned some valuable lessons from football. And I want to give you five things that I believe football teaches us. First of all, football teaches us that we need the right foundation. Football teaches us that we need the right foundation. You know, I'm not, I'm not real smart, but I do know this. If you take this football literally or figuratively or any way you want to, and you try to stand on that football, <laughs> boy, you just can't do it. I don't care who you are. You just can't stand on that football. You try to stand on that football. I mean, try it sometimes. Just, just try to stand on that football. I mean, I'd try it, but I'm afraid I'd get tripped up. You know, if you try to stand on that football, you're going to fall. Because I'll tell you what, that football is not the right foundation. And football teaches us that you can't stand on it. Football teaches us that you've got to have the right foundation. Years ago, I was probably watching the greatest football quarterback who's probably ever played the game do an interview on 60 Minutes. His name was Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's the guy that's won five Super Bowls. Tom Brady's the guy that's married to a supermodel. Tom Brady's the guy that's got more money than he actually knows what to do with. And the interviewer was interviewing Tom Brady. And Tom Brady said these words during that interview. He says, there has to be more than this. I mean, here's the guy that had won five Super Bowls. Here's a guy that everybody knows. Here's a guy that's so famous. Here's the guy that's got the beautiful wife. Here's the guy that's got the beautiful family. But he said, there's got to be more than this. And then the interviewer said, Mr. Brady, what do you think it is? And Tom Brady said these words. He said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. So you know what Tom Brady had come to realize? That football can't be our foundation. You know, there was another guy that struggled with this. His name was Solomon in the Bible. And Solomon was struggling for the right foundation. And he tried some things. He tried learning. Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 1, verse 13, that he tried learning. This guy literally wrote 3,000 Proverbs. As far as a songwriter, he wrote, he wrote 1,005 songs. He was a songwriter. He was a, he was a brilliant mind. He was an ornithologist. That is to say, he was an expert in birds. He was an ichthyologist. An ichthyologist is, he was an expert in fish. He was a geologist. I mean, folks, this guy had more degrees than a thermometer. But all of his learning left him empty. So he said, it's not, it's not in learning. I'm going to try luxury. I want to try luxury. And he had, he had all kind of money. You know, Bill Gates, somebody said, is worth $40 billion. What was O'Sally worth? A hundred billion. A hundred billion. And you know what Sally said in Ecclesiastes 6 and 7? All man's labor is for his mouth. 
yet his appetite is not filled. You know what Solly said in Ecclesiastes 5 and 10? He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. He said, I had it all. I tried all the luxury, but he said, it left me empty. Now, I'll tell you what. He said, did Solly go with, did Solly go with a lot of women? 1,000. 1,000. 700 wives. God, 700 mother-in-laws. See, he, he tried learning. He tried luxury. He tried lust. He said, it's out there. It's in relationships. But, folks, let me tell you something. It left him empty. But he said, well, let's move on. Let's, let's, let's try labor. He became a workaholic. In Ecclesiastes 2, verses 4 through 6, he became a workaholic. But he said, it left me empty. And you know what he finally said in Ecclesiastes 3 and 11? Look what he said. He said, but God has put eternity in my heart. You know what he said? The only thing could satisfy. It wasn't lust. It wasn't learning. It wasn't luxury. It, it, it wasn't any of those things. The only thing that could satisfy is the Lord. See, here's what I want you to see, folks. I want you to get this if you don't get anything else. Don't you get this? Your foundation can't be football. Your foundation can't be finances. Your foundation can't be fame. It can't be fortune. It can't be fleshly desires. It can't be family. It can't be friends. It can't be fun. Your foundation's got to be the Lord. And football teaches us, ladies and gentlemen, that you've got to have the right foundation. Let me tell you something else. Football teaches us the importance of, of our thinking. Football teaches us the importance of our thinking. I love what Yogi Bear said. I, I love Yogi. Somebody asked Yogi, said, Yogi, what time is it? He said, you mean right now? Yogi said, you better go to other people's funerals so they'll come to yours. Some of you are slow, but you're worth waiting for. Yogi Bear said this. He said, baseball's 90% mental, and the other half is physical. <laughs> Notre Dame had a coach by the name of Newt Rotney. And Newt Rotney was no coach that, that coached Notre Dame. And Notre Dame was going to play USC. And USC was undefeated. And Newt Rockney knew that he was no match to play USC. He knew that USC had all the talent in the world, and, and he, just, he just didn't have it. He knew there was no way he could beat the Trojans. So what old Newt Rockney did, he went into South Bend, Indiana, and he found 100 men, and he made sure they were at least 6'5", and he made sure they weighed at least 100 pounds. I mean... You know, big enough to eat hay and dumb enough to enjoy it. And he said, guys, I want to hire you. And Newt Rockney hired these hundred men, and he dressed them out. Now, when Notre Dame was going up against USC, he ran those hundred men out onto the field. Now, they didn't play it down. They just stood on the sidelines, a true story. But when USC saw those giants, 
They forgot about that they were undefeated. They forgot about they were the best team in the nation. They forgot about there was nobody else like USC. They just saw those hundred men, and they started telling themselves, we're no match. We're no match. Now, let me tell you something. Those guys never got on the field, but I want you to know something. Notre Dame won the game. Notre Dame won the game. Because football teaches us, ladies and gentlemen, the importance of our thinking. And see, just as Newt Rotney ran those hundred men on the field, we have an enemy, and our enemy is the devil. And the devil wants to get into your head, and he wants to get into my head, and he wants to plant thoughts of fear. He wants to plant thoughts of worry, inferiority, malice, strife, jealousy. He wants to put those thoughts in our head. What football teaches us, ladies and gentlemen, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but you think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. Because life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man. Sooner or later, the man or woman who wins is the one who thinks they can. Football teaches us, ladies and gentlemen, the battlefield's the mind. The battlefield's the mind. And many times the battle's won or lost in our thinking. See, there's a scripture that I was researching this week. Romans 12 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. See, he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed. And your mind's got to be renewed. How do we renew our mind? Folks, we renew our mind by getting the Word of God in our mind. We renew our mind by getting the Word of God in our mind. Folks, your mind can't be renewed if you're not in the Word of God. See, something, something's going to control your thinking. The media is going to control your thinking. People around you are going to control your thinking. The people you come in contact with are going to control your thinking. Or the Word of God is going to control your thinking. The Word of God, the only thing that can renew your mind and give you the proper worldview is the Word of God. And if you don't get in the Word of God, your mind's not going to be renewed. We need the Word of God more than we need anything else. But I, but I looked at that Romans 12 and 2, and I saw when it says, Be not conformed to this world. But be you transformed by the renewing. And I thought, I went back and studied in the Greek. And that word used in the original Greek, in that context renewed, is only found again in Titus 3 and 5. And look what it says. The renewing of the Holy Ghost. The only thing that can renew our minds is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, I'm having thoughts that I shouldn't have. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. 
I'm having, I'm having thoughts I shouldn't be having. Oh, folks, if we'll just get into the Word of God, it's what will renew our mind. And as you get into the Word of God, more of the presence of God's Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you can have victory in your life. Your thinking can be right, and your thinking can be renewed by the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you the third thing football teaches. Football teaches us <laughs> that we need others. Football teaches us that we need others. You know, the highest paid football player in, in pro football is the quarterback. The second highest paid player is the left offensive, offensive tackle because he protects the quarterback's blindside. Let me tell you something that's been wonderful for me, folks. Every day, I wear my bracelet that says, it's not about me. Every day, it's helped my relationship with people. It's helped my marriage. It's helped my parenting. It's helped everything. It's not about me. I want to look at it every day. I want to live my life from this philosophy. It's not about me. It's about other people. As long as you live your life about you, friend, there'll never be enough. But if you can live your life and say, it's not about me. You say, Pastor, I want one of those bracelets. Go to the gift shop and get it. Some of you need to get multiple ones. Some of you need to put them on your ankles. It's not about me. <laughs> but let me tell you what football does. Football teaches us that we need others. I came along, there was a great quarterback by the name of Joe Montana. Joe Montana was the league MVP. After winning the league MVP, you know what Joe Montana did? He bought all of his offensive linemen Rolex watches because he said, I wouldn't have won MVP had it not been for those guys blocking for me. And folks, it's a great day when we realize, when we realize that we need other people. One's too small a number to multiply. You need other people. I need other people. We need each other. Let me tell you what a wise man taught me one time. He said, Benny, there are four things that all people want. And I just jotted them down. You said, Pastor Benny, how, how do you come up with all this stuff? Listen to me very closely. Some of you come, you'll hear me preach, you'll never write down a thing. If you're going to quote right, you've got to note right. If you're going to quote right, you've got to note right. You say, oh, I'll remember it all. You're not that smart. Get real. If you're going to quote right, you've got a note right. A short pencil is better than a long memory. You say, I'm young. I can remember everything. That will pass. <laughs> but a wise man taught me one time while we was having lunch. He said, there's four things that all people want. Everybody wants to be acknowledged. Everybody wants to be acknowledged. They want to be acknowledged. They want their presence to be acknowledged. Everybody wants acceptance. Everybody wants to be just accepted. And I don't know why we wouldn't just accept people. Do you think some race or some creed in some way is superior? God help us. God help us. Everybody wants to be appreciated and everybody wants to be affirmed. Let me tell you the fourth thing that football teaches us. Football teaches us <laughs> that we will get hurt. Football teaches us just like in life, folks. I, I know this is not the happy clappy, but let me tell you what football teaches you. 
you're going to get hurt. A high school coach was coaching one time, and his best player got hurt. And he ran to the sidelines, and he said, Coach, I think I broke my hand. He said, Get back in there and play till you know that it's broken. Vince Lombardi said, football's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. Dancing is a contact sport. 2015, running back for Georgia, Nick Chubb, suffered the injury. You know what's amazing? I researched it, folks. Up to that point, this wonderful running back, can't believe I said that. Listen, 2015 to this point, he'd never had an injury. He'd never had an injury, but he dislocated his knee, three ligament tears. Never had an injury. But eight months later, he was back in the game. This year, he scored more touchdowns than he ever has in his college career. He scored 15. Listen to me very closely. They said after the injury, he was the first one at practice. They said after the injury, he was the first one and got there early and stayed there longer, longest, trying to build back. It could have been a career in, ender, but he got back in there and he worked hard. Let me tell you something about life. I've been doing it all these years. You can come up real close. You're going to get hurt. You're going to have a plane. You're going to have a train crash. Your world's going to be torn apart. People that you put your confidence in is going to fail you. Many times the one who you loved will walk out and leave you. Many times you're going to get a diagnosis from the doctor that's not so good. The life that pleases God is often painful and difficult. He sends the rain upon the just and upon the unjust. Football teaches us, ladies and gentlemen, that you're going to get hurt some in life, but you've got to keep playing. You've got to stay involved. You've got to say it's just a part of life. Somebody said, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser from a thing she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. Not a word said she, but oh, the wiser I was when sorrow walked with me. Let me give you the last thing that football teaches us. Football teaches us what is temporal and what is eternal. Football teaches us what is temporal and what is eternal. See, folks, football ends. What if a guy makes it to the pros, Pastor Benny? What's his average career? 3.3 years. 3.3 years, even if he makes it to the pros. What about these professional athletes, Brother Benny? Two years after retirement, 78% of them are bankrupt. Two years after retirement, 78% of them are bankrupt. Bum Phillips. Bum Phillips said this. He said, there are only two types of coaches. Those who have been fired and those who will be. That's what old Bum said. And you know Bum was right because this is what I know. Football teaches us what is temporal, and football teaches us what is eternal. 
I heard Mark Rick give this testimony. He said when he was assistant coach at FSU, he said we had a player on our football team, Pablo Lopez. And Mark Rick said Pablo Lopez went to a party one night and there was a problem. And he said, Pablo Lopez, one of our players, was shot and killed. He said the next day, Coach Bobby Bowden, who's spoken here two or three times, wonderful godly man, Coach Rick is too. But he said the next day, Bobby Bowden called a team meeting. And he took an empty chair. And he said, boys, if Pablo had been alive, he'd been sitting in this chair. But he said, the chair's empty. And then he looked at those boys and he said, boys, I don't know where Pablo's at. If Pablo had put his faith in Christ, I didn't know about it. I, I don't know where Pablo's at. He said, I, I hope he's in heaven. But if he didn't put his faith in Christ, he's in hell. I don't know where Pablo's at, boys. But he said, I do know this, that Jesus Christ died for Pablo's sins just like he died for your sins. And boys, if you acknowledge you're a sinner, and you believe that Jesus died on the cross, he took your place, and you confess your sins to Christ, you can be saved. And then Coach Bowden said, boys, that's, that's the end of it. But he said, uh, if you're interested in what I talked about, he said, you can come by my office and just, I'll be in the office. He said, if you want to talk more about what I, any of you boys want to talk about what I've talked to you about, feel free to come by my office, and I'll be glad to talk to you. Coach Bowden dismissed the meeting. He said he went to his office and said uh, a little later he had got a knock at the door. And he thought, well, that's one of the players. And he said he opened the door and there stood Coach Mark Rick. And Coach Rick said, Coach Bowden, I'm not one of the players. But can I talk to you about what you talked about? Because I don't know where Pablo's at. But I don't know where I would be, Coach, if I died. And he said, Coach, I've got all these things in my mind. I'm thinking if I accept Christ, I've got to be perfect. And Coach Bowden said, No, it won't make you perfect, Rick. It just makes you forgiven. And he said, Well, Coach, I... I've got it in my mind, if I become a Christian, I'll have to give up football. And I, he said, no, no. He said, God's probably going to use you in football to impact others. He said, oh. But he said, Coach, what did I have to do? He said, Mark, you got to pray a simple prayer, and I'm going to lead you in the prayer right now. Coach Bowden led Mark Rick in a sinner's prayer. God, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you.
I've had the privilege of praying with Coach Rick on a few occasions. Coach Rick has said, it's the greatest prayer I ever made. Greatest prayer I ever prayed. Greatest decision I ever made was the decision to accept Jesus Christ. Because see, here at the end of the day, folks, football teaches us all this is temporal. But our relationship with God's eternal. There's a time I was not. There never will be a time I will not be. There was a time that you was not, but there never will be a time that you will not be. And eternity is too long to be wrong. Yeah, I truly believe life is like football. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.